We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. And welcome into another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. We are fresh off a three-day minicamp. The Chicago Bears hosted for their rookies, rookie tryouts, and undrafted free agents. Aaron, how you doing after that weekend, man? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there. I'm kind of curious to see how you're doing. I mean, I'm sure that was probably the, one of the more hectic rookie camps in terms of watching the kickers, bouncing around, having focus you know, all over the place instead of focusing on first and second round picks. So how was that for you? Yeah, that was my third mini camp um, doing that for the Bears. And that was definitely by far the most odd one I've ever been to because in previous ones, you know, I like to say it, it's very hard to evaluate these players and the rookies that are drafted, you know, guys like Riley Ridley and Duke Shelley and um, David Montgomery should be dominating and they should look like the best players on the field. And they were, um, you know, because when you're out there against undrafted free agents and players that are probably not going to make rosters, um, you should dominate. It's just so hard to tell with the pads. Um, but, however, you know, the storyline and I'm sure most Bears fans know this, the storyline was the damn eight-kicker battle royale throughout the whole weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think that was what everybody was focused on. I know it was what I was focused on. I'm sure it was what you guys were focused on. So, I, dude, just walk us through it, man. I mean, you were there. I wasn't, so you were there. I, I would like for you to give the listeners and everybody just kind of an idea of how wild the weekend was, how unorthodox it was, and just, just in general. I mean, what, what, what the hell happened? Yeah, so we got there Friday. Um, yeah, they, they had players meet the media before practice. Um, 
yeah, we just went to the fields and there was just eight kickers and um, I want to say it was like four to five to six specialists, um, a couple of punters, a couple of long snappers. And pretty much what it was, it was just a kicking competition. They were just taking turns, kicking from different distances. But like the crazy thing about it was all the media members were essentially focused on that. Um, you know, there was a long, like, not a line, but like there was just a group of us there, a large group of media members. Obviously, like TV and stuff weren't there. But, um, yeah, just watching these kickers, you know, attempt these field goals from various distances and uh i mean i can't say exactly how the process went um but as much as i can give it was just they were just lining up attempting kicks from different distances um a lot of coaches were there um yeah it was odd it was just odd because i like a lot of us were just charting these kicks and it's something i've never done before so i have a notebook that i bring out there um and i just i was just kind of i write notes on every practice just for my personal stuff and you know to like look back on if i need anything throughout the year and and my first day it was four pages and it was all kicker stuff i think i had like half a page was normal like player stuff maybe a page and a half but yeah it was just we spent i spent an hour and 30 minutes at least probably two hours on friday um watching kicker saturday i spent about an hour and a half two hours and then um sunday was a shorter session so i spent about an hour and we actually talked to the kickers. We were, we were only allowed to talk to four, three or four kickers. Um, it's Chris Blewett, Elliot Fry, um, and I think it was Redford Jones after the mini camp was over. And all three of them told us you, they've never been a part of anything like this. I, I can imagine. I mean, I, I don't think I've actually ever seen anything like that before with any NFL team. And I know it, it's one of those situations where it's like I think everybody's kind of tired of talking about it. I'm, I, I know I'm kind of tired of thinking about it, but – at the same time, I mean, the Bears are in a position right now where they're obviously a Super Bowl caliber team. They could have they could have been last year. I don't know if they, you know, I, I don't know. We won't get into that. But either way, they could have been. They should be this year. And yet the one thing that keeps hanging over this entire roster, everything about the Bears right now is this kicking thing, whether it's the national media like the New York Post picking it up, calling it an embarrassment, which I think was uh, hyperbole at, you know, at least. I mean, it's just it's just weird. But it's something that every single place is picking up. I mean, I have friends that aren't even really football fans that are like, dude, what is going on? You know, and especially after the, the first day when what all the kickers went like two for eight and from the 43 yards and everybody's making a huge deal about it. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm sure we're obviously we're, we're going to try to focus on everything. We're going to try to focus on how Montgomery looked, how the draft picks looked, how some of these undrafted free agents looked. Uh, and we're also going to have some some guests and stuff like that on today. So it, it should be a good show, but just kind of bear with us because the kicking situation isn't going away anytime soon. We don't want to beat it to death, but it was also, as Zach just said, it was a big focus uh, of this weekend for a lot of people. So it's just going to be something that's pretty unavoidable at this point. Yeah, you kind of hit on the head there that we're going to talk a little bit more about the whole rookie meeting camp and not spend too much more time on the kickers. Um, I do want to, there's a couple things I do want to say about the kicking competition. We'll hit our first break before I get into all that, because I found it kind of interesting what Pat Nagy did and it kind of resembled like that, not circus like feel, but just, just an odd feel. Um, let's hit our first break really quick and then we'll get right back into the kickers and the rest of the uh, rookie minicamp. The old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. 
We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. Um, yeah, Aaron, going back to that kicker situation, what I didn't mention in the first five minutes that I found was interesting was if you go back and you look at Matt Nagy's you know, press conferences throughout the offseason, um, the postseason one, the scouting combine, the coaches' meetings, him and Ryan Pace both said that they're going to put a lot of pressure and they're going to try to create pressure situations for these kickers. Eight kickers at Hellas Hall in a battle royale type and the pressure situation he put on in day one was a 43-yarder. All eight lined up. Two of them made it. Um, the second day was he actually moved it up a yard or closer a yard, 42-yarder in front of the whole team at practice. Much better. I believe six made it out of the eight. Then the third day, third and final day, I thought was the most interesting pressure situation because he had Casey Bednarski and Redford Jones come out. Um, Bednarski represented the defense. Jones represented the offense. No one represented the special teams, which I thought was kind of odd. Um, and they had a, they had pretty much a kickoff. So they, they took turns from dis, to different distances, and it was pretty much make it, take it, miss, you lose. They both hit their first three. Benarski hit from, I believe it was 48 um, for the defense. Jones sailed his. But that's not even the worst part about it. The losers had to do 25 up-downs. And, and up-downs are pretty damn tough. So they had to do 25 up-downs in a circle, and – Matt Nagy, in the most savage rookie minicamp OTA move I have ever seen, made Redford Jones not do the not do the up-downs, but instead stand in the circle and watch all of the entire offense do the up-downs. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, well, and then, to top it, and then to top it all off, Bednarski wins the competition. He doesn't get a contract. And then Redford Jones, who was rostered, one of the four roster kickers going into the weekend, all of a sudden doesn't have a job. I mean, right? that's just, that's brutal, man. But I mean, it, it goes back to what Nagy was talking about though. He said he's, this isn't going to be an elephant in the room. This is going to be something front and center. He showed that entire team. He showed all the rookies, all the kickers know about it. They all know about the 43 yarder. They all know how close this team was to at least advancing in the playoffs. If not, you know, having a first round by, um, you know, in the, in a, in the divisional round, if the, if he would have made a kick in the regular season, that would have allowed them to win a game. I mean, everybody knows how important this is. And, you know, it, it's just, man, I, I just, I, I, like I said, I've never heard or seen anything like it. And, I mean, after all that, we're at three kickers now. Yeah, we are. I mean, they did narrow it down. Um, they narrowed it down to two and then eventually signed Eddie Pinheiro and made a trade, which is pretty much acquiring a guy for as minimal as possible. It's not a 2020 seventh-round pick. It's a 2021 seventh-round pick with conditions that he has to be on the active roster for at least five games. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I have a feeling that we have not seen the last of this kicking competition. And in my eyes, I think there's even a good chance that none of the three are the starters and they might go with a veteran um, for week one. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I just, I kind of think like it's not settled and it won't be settled for a very long time. I mean, I think it's fair at this point because I mean, you, you, you talked about it before. I mean, you, you said none of these guys, and this is you know off air, but I mean, you, you said none of these guys really looked that good in the, in, in the tryout. The, the one thing to at least keep in mind here with Eddie Pinheiro is he won the Raiders job last year. He got hurt. They put him on IR. They stashed him. They planned on using him um, you know, this year, and then obviously they signed Daniel Carlson after Minnesota cut him after week two. 
and he's been good, so they were able to trade Pinheiro. But, I mean, it's it's fair to wonder at this point because Matt Bryant's still out there. Kai Forbath, who has not been a bad kicker at all, is still out there. I think he's like 31, 32. So, I mean, there's definitely options. But I think that at this point, there's no reason for the Bears to panic and, and throw everything out the window and go sign one of those guys because if you can find somebody younger, under control, cost control for the next two, three, four years, whatever it may be, then you you absolutely do it. I think Pinheiro definitely has the best shot, but... I guess we'll see. But either way, I think we should probably at least get to some of these other guys, uh, you know, how the, the rookies actually looked. I mean, we're going to have more kicking talk anyway. Uh, so who stood out to you? Because that was the thing. I mean, there was a lot of people asking me, a lot of people asking in general. It's like, you know, there was a lot of focus on the kicking competition. But at the same time, I mean, you still have David Montgomery, Riley Ridley, Duke Shelley. You had a, a host of undrafted free agents, probably the best undrafted free agent class, at least on paper, that the Bears have had in quite a while. It's like, who who really stood out and kind of kind of looked like they should or looked better than they should? Yeah, um, I, so kind of go back to my point earlier about the whole, like, yeah, it's hard to judge with pads, um, and the rookies should be dominating. I think for the most part, all the rookies look good. Um, there's still a little bit with Steven Denmark that I'm kind of worried about. Um, he didn't look lost. He didn't look bad. It, he looked like a player that was kind of transitioning in between positions because um, they did have him at safety and on the outside cornerback. So for me, you know, when I see that, um, I see project. I see something that there's going to be, you know, growing pains. There's going to be a learning curve with him. Um, and it's probably going to last throughout training camp where you're going to see probably some struggles. He's probably going to get beat. Um, he might miss his assignment or, you know, coaches are going to get on him. Um, but I mean, he's still very raw and he just, he, he's huge, man. He is gigantic and he's fast. Um, going back kind of the speed route, um, Kareth White took a couple passes, you know, a couple, um, wheel routes and was quick. When he gets the ball, he's quick to turn up field. Um, you know, the rookies all look good. Riley Ridley's route running is everything as advertised. Um, you can just tell how quick he is coming out of those breaks and how sharp and, and just clean and crisp his routes are. I mean, it, it's, you know, you could tell when a receiver is a bad route runner because instead of taking that, you know, hard angle, they kind of have that like circle angle to it. That wasn't there with him. He was just dead on sharp angles. Um, good hands. Actually, I was actually more surprised that his hands were that good um, with the route running. Montgomery actually, the, well, two rookies actually had the plays of the camp for me. Um, Montgomery had the wheel route where he took for a touchdown. It was a nice catch um, down the sideline and pretty much took it all the way home. I think it was Saturday. And then I think, it, I forgot what day it was, but uh, Duke Shelley had a play where he was beat a little bit, but man, he recovered so quick and got in front of the football and knocked it away. He actually put, there's a photo he posted on Twitter today. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did. And that's exactly what he did at K-State all four years. That was just what they got. He would get beat and somehow recover against the receiver that was seven inches taller than him and still find a way to be more athletic, higher off the ground, and make the play. And that's exactly what it looked like in that picture. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. It was a route over the middle. Um, and, yeah, he was beat on the initial step. I think the receiver had probably a step or two on him, maybe three. And he – I mean, that closing speed and recovery was just – it was impressive, man. I thought that was probably my defensive play – um, of the camp because I, they're not recording sacks. Um, essentially, you know, a def- an edge rusher or a lineman will get to a quarterback and the, the play will continue. Uh, there was a couple guys that had, you know, some sacks, but no one that was like, you know, maybe had like an eight sack weekend. I think the closest that I counted um, was Jalen Dalton. I I had him down for like four, four and a half sacks. Um, 
and then he was signed actually to to the roster. He's quick. The thing I like about him, I, I watched about North Carolina. He dealt with a lot of like health issues there. He's six six, three hundred pounds. It's all just lean muscle. He is fast. I forgot who the running back was. It was number. I don't have my roster on me. It was number thirty, but he caught a pass and was down the sideline. And Dalton just turned around, sprinted, almost caught him, and came pretty close. Um, you know, Emmanuel Hall's fast. I guess the theme, you know, the theme, the Bears could be a really fast team this year. Yeah, I mean, it makes complete sense because that's, I mean, obviously Montgomery's not a quick guy by any means, but I mean, you have you have Duke Shelley, um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, Emmanuel Hall, Kareth White. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're, and that's kind of the thing. I mean, that's that's kind of what they need because sooner rather than later, guys like Taylor Gabriel are going to be gone, you know, and it's just you have to have a mix of talent and. It's interesting you're talking about Riley Ridley's uh, route running and, and hands because that's the thing. A lot of people looked at him, and yeah, I mean, th- admittedly so, he he didn't produce to the level a lot of people thought he did or could at Georgia. I mean, that's just a, that's undeniable. But what I think is going to help him transfer at the NFL level, is, like you pointed out, he runs sharp routes, he runs crisp routes, he's got good hands, and that's the thing. A lot of rookies, including Anthony Miller, who's also a very good route runner, one of the things that he did a lot last year that I noticed and outside of freelancing was rounding off routes. And that's just something that at the NFL level you can't do. When you're at the college level, when you're playing uh, inferior talent and you're playing against guys that are slower than you or smaller than you or just simply not as good, not as technically sound, you can get away with it. At the NFL level, it just doesn't it just doesn't pan out that way. But that's always why I've liked receivers that are more technically sound, that can run good routes, that have good hands, because that's the stuff, to, at least to me, that will translate a lot better than an athletic freak that you need to teach everything to. And that's why I kind of wonder if maybe Emmanuel Hall isn't going to have a little bit of an uphill battle. I mean, he's a talented guy. A lot of people had him in the third round. But at the same time, I mean, he mainly ran either slants or go routes, nine routes. I mean, that was just what he that's what he did. And it's going to be a battle for him to learn how to be an actual NFL receiver. So it's, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. I think, I think the bears have a lot of talent because the other guy that I've, I've seen a lot talked about, and maybe you can kind of vouch for this too, is that Dax Raymond had a really good weekend too. And that's somebody that the, the bears can actually use. And that's an undrafted free agent that probably has the clearest path to the roster right now, in my opinion. Yeah. He was very impressive in the um, Sunday's red zone session. Uh, they really didn't do a lot in the red zone Friday, Saturday. They kind of more focused that on Sunday towards the end of practice. He had a nice catch um, in the corner of the end zone. It, it, they ruled a touchdown. There's no, I don't, I don't think there's referees out there. Sometimes they have guys dressed as referees, but um, yeah, he was impressive, man. I mean, they were running through tight end drills. He was catching pretty much everything going his way. His hands looked a lot better than I thought they were. He's got good size, I think, um, to play the tight end. And, and I'm, I'm with you. I think he's got a legit shot because you look at Trey Burton, he's a pass-catching tight end. You look at Adam Shaheen, he's had his injury issue, issues. Um, at this point, you know, to get 16 games out of him, I could, would consider that a win. And if he's healthy, he's a big target for mental Trubisky. But Dax Raven's a guy he can fight and make, you know, make some noise as climbing up that depth chart to maybe that number three tight end or maybe even number two. I don't think that's kind of out of the picture. I think he's going to have a big training camp, and um, you know, he could be one of those candidates that breaks out. And we're talking about okay, you know, Dax Raymond's could be a solid contributor for the Chicago Bears in 2019. That'd be something, though. To have an undrafted tight end like that come in and, and be a contributor to your offense, that'd be pretty damn good. Um, the other thing, you know, go back to Emmanuel Hall. Matt Nagy was actually asked what he thought, you know, will Matt, will Emmanuel Hall be like kind of a one-trick pony and just run deep routes in, in col- and like he did in college and like slants, as you man- uh, um, mentioned. 
Man, like you said, no, he's definitely got to work on some route running. Um, that's going to be one thing that, you know, we're going to have to keep an eye on because if he wants to make this, make this team, he's going to have to beat out a couple of other wide receivers. And right now his route running, like you said, is it's that slant and the deep route. I'm kind of looking at his route running during camp. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't like, you know, with Ridley there, I guess really kind of makes him, you know, makes everyone look bad route running, but it was nothing that really stood out to me. Yeah, it, it makes sense. So yeah, I guess we'll set to see. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot that uh, is going to be going on. I mean, receiver is absolutely stacked right now, and that's something that we really haven't been on the safe for quite a while. I mean, looking two years ago, they had Kendall Wright, Dontrell Enman, Marcus Wheaton, Josh oh Bellamy, Trey, Trey McBride. Trey, I mean, yeah, Trey McBride, man. Oh, man. Yeah, this is rough, but... Oh man, well that's I mean we got what OTAs coming up in a little under two weeks, um, you know, so I'm I'm sure we'll be getting more updates from you and you know kind of seeing how these are listening to how these guys are progressing through your eyes and stuff like that. But now it, we it, have a it'll uh, be a lot easier. Sorry, it'll be a lot easier to, to judge during the OTAs in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Well, and once they get pads on in camp, I mean we're really not that far away from camp. We're what two months away, which seems like a long time. Really not that long, but. Either way, um, we're going to go ahead and transition back into the uh, the kicking talk here. Uh, yes. We got a, a special special guest uh, coming up for you, and so it should be should be interesting because, like I said, I've never seen anything like this. I don't think anybody really has. Uh, there really hasn't been much information about how this actually went. Um, you know, talking to any of the guys that went through the the tryout, if they've been through this before, anything like that. So we're going to get a lot of questions answered um, from a uh, from a guest, uh, Spencer. Spencer Evans, uh, he kicked for Purdue, um, and he was one of the tryout guys, at least according to most reports. Sounded like one of the better tryout guys. He had a little bit of a rough day one, but he did end up making the team, unfortunately, like all the tryout players. But we're going to get his take on everything and just kind of get into get into things a little bit here. Yeah, let's bring on um, Evans. And then after the Evans interview, we also have um, an interview with Mitchell Trubisky in Wrigleyville from Saturday morning um, promoting – Gone Rogue Chips, which are now can be found at Jewel Osco. Um, I caught up with Trubisky to kind of talk about rookie mini camp, what to expect from the Bears this um, season. Talked a little bit about the chips, and then uh, I actually asked him something about North Carolina's new head coach. It's a quick five- to six-minute interview, but something we can add on to this podcast. Let's get into Evans first. We're going to hear from our um, sponsors. We'll get into Spencer Evans. After that, we'll come back for a minute or two, introduce Trubisky, Go into that, then we'll wrap up the show with a little more rookie minicamp talk. We'll be right back after this. And now, welcoming on the Bear Report podcast, we have a special guest, uh, kicker Spencer Evans, who kicked two years at Baylor, two years at Purdue. He was one of the eight kickers um, at rookie minicamp for the Bears over the weekend. Spencer, thanks a lot, man, for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Um, so, kind of right off the bat, uh, have you been a part of anything like, you know, what the weekend was at Hallis Hall with, with eight kickers there kind of battling it out for maybe a couple roster spots? Nothing specifically like that. Um, you know, obviously the, uh, the Bears had brought in their, you know, the new kicking consultant there. Um, he runs a lot of camps around the country. Um, and it honestly, the, the format of it was pretty similar, um, you know, to what I had seen of those. Um, so, you know, in terms of the competition, it was pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, kind of what was on the line, it was, uh, it was definitely a unique experience. So, well, so before we get into any more kicking questions, because the, so a little bit, a little bit of a backstory here as I was looking 
kind of looking into the kicking competition a little bit. I admittedly so I didn't really know very many names, but I come across Spencer's profile on on Twitter, and the first thing I see is one he's tatted up, which is already a plus in my book. And then all of a sudden I see a Dayseeker shirt. So it, it's one of those things for me. I'm like I'm looking at this. I'm like, dude, this is this is just a metal guy. Like, and and for most of you who know, obviously I transitioned you know from music and into this. So. I just gotta. I, I don't know. I, I guess I just gotta acknowledge the fact that you know it, there's not very many people in the NFL, especially uh, it, it, probably even in college, that are one playing football and are two. You know, two are in the metal and going to the same shows. I mean, we've had multiple conversations on the on the music thing, and it's been pretty cool. Dude, I appreciate that. I've uh, I've had a blast just kind of going back and forth with you, kind of testing each other's knowledge on the metal scene and all that. It's uh, it's been really cool, man. It's like you said, it's kind of a um, unique culture a little bit. There's not uh, a whole lot of guys that are into it. So uh, yeah, to to kind of cross paths there and and uh, you know we both share similar tastes in music and all that. Uh, yeah, it's been sweet, man. Yeah, definitely, dude. It's been like a like finding like a long lost brother, man. It's just it's been a been a cool <laughs> exactly. thing, but. <laughs> So either way, we'll we'll get into some football here. So I'm kind of curious to get your take because I mean we've we've talked a little bit off air and and stuff like that. Uh, how exactly did you get into kicking? So I um I played soccer for uh, thirteen or fourteen years, starting when I was four, um, and then basically I was I was in high school, um, you know, always kind of took the free kicks and and stuff like that, and it just so happened our head football coach in high school is also the athletic director there at Martin High School in in Arlington, back in Texas, and um, you know I was just uh, just you know, playing soccer. And he, uh, you know, saw me take some free kicks, noticed, uh, you know, a pretty decent jump off my foot and um, kind of recruited me to uh, to come give the football team a shot. I never really messed around with kicking a football before, but uh, obviously I knew there were some decent scholarship opportunities with that. So I, um, yeah, I showed up and, you know, he kind of, I guess it was a tryout, not, you know, almost he, he, uh, basically just asked me to kick a football. I, I kicked two balls and he put me on the varsity team and, and just hit the ground running. So, so I'm kind of curious too, because you, you said you did two years of Baylor. I'm an Oklahoma fan. I, and I feel like I say this every damn okay. episode. So I was a little disappointed. I'm like, dude, really Baylor? Like, I don't know why I've just never well, liked Baylor as an Oklahoma fan. So you want to know something funny? Actually, I grew up an Oklahoma fan my whole life. See, okay, see, we got another thing, and, and another thing I found out, too, is we share the same birthday, and we'll have to talk later on about that, but... See, wait, this wait, is, wait, the exact same birthday? Yeah, me. June 11th, man. Oh, man. Get out of here. <laughs> that's serious. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, it's like, I'm telling you, man, it's like a long-lost brother here, but, this okay, so... strange. I know, right? So, okay, so you go from... So, why did you leave Baylor, if you don't mind me asking? Because at least from what I read, it was, you did two years at Baylor, you took a year off, and then you came to Purdue, is that right? Yeah, pretty much. So whenever I went to Baylor, um, so obviously there was, you know, that, that whole scandal situation that went down, I guess it was in 2015 or 16, um, in there somewhere where they were, you know, just the publicity was, was real bad. It was, uh, it was, it was a weird time to be there, but in terms of me personally, so I, Waco, where Baylor's at, where, where Baylor's at is, you know, 45 minutes to an hour down the road from where I grew up. Um, so whenever they came calling back in high school and, and they offered me a preferred walk-on spot, 
Um, and the, the deal there was if I earned a starting job there, then they would put me on scholarship. Um, I got in there. I, I won the kickoff job in a matter of about a week or two of practice. Um, but then essentially two, two full seasons later, uh, that scholarship just never came. Um, you know, and, and then obviously I wanted to kick field goals and they were really intent on having a field goal guy and a kickoff guy. Um, you know, and, and I just ended up slotting into that kickoff role. So I, um, you know, just talked with my family. We ended up making a decision to, to step away. Didn't really know what was going to come from that. Uh, it was pretty sudden. Um, and, and we just left and I returned home, just started taking classes around, uh, the Arlington area. And, um, yeah, then, you know, I just started competing, going to some, some camps and, you look up and, and have some, some decisions to make about where to go next. Uh, Purdue came calling, and uh, I thought it was a, a great opportunity to kind of experience a, a different, you know, side of the country. You know, um, it was far away from home, and, uh, you know, it was it was ended up being a really cool experience for me. So, so you kicked in that, uh, was it 2015, was it the Russell Athletic Bowl? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, uh, Baylor ran all over my Tar Heels, so it's kind of a solid okay, moment. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big UNC that. fan, and it was, I mean, that that year was great because I think our only loss was South Carolina, and then they had an onside kick that should have been converted against Clemson in the, tight, in the ACC championship game, and then Baylor runs for like 800 yards, and I'm just like, it was crazy. That was, it was un, it, yeah. unreal. So when yeah, you joined, oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying, I remember that. Yeah, we were, um, you know, we were down a couple quarterbacks at that point, I remember, and, you know, we were all kind of going into the game not really knowing what to think. But then, uh, you know, we ended up running, I guess it was a kind of a variation of the Wildcat, and, and it just, I don't know, it caught traction and, and just took off. Yeah, that I mean, that was a damn good North Carolina team, too. That was the year Trubisky yeah. was, uh, he was a sophomore behind Marquise Williams and that offense I mean, there's multiple NFL players on that offense um I you know, kind of going, Switzer was there. yeah yeah Ryan Switzer um TJ Logan uh Matt Collins all those guys it's crazy but kind of going to Purdue um you said you know kind of going across the country seeing a different part of the country um you actually joined the program as Jeff Brom's kind of turning it around and it's been two pretty good seasons for Purdue. Um, my wife actually went there and graduated there. Like I believe it was like eight, awesome. eight nine years. So I, I root for Purdue too. Cause I like to see her happy, happy wife, happy life. Obviously. <laughs> um, what do you think of that program and, and what kind of drew you to Purdue kind of at the right time? I mean, this is, you know, they're in a big time in their program when they've been historically bad since like Kyle Orton left. It's um it's been quite the turnaround. Now, I, I didn't get to witness firsthand what it was like prior to to Coach Brom getting there. Um, I, I've heard not the best things, um, you know. But again, I wasn't there to see it, and to see the way that you know the the fans just rallied around the team and just got right back behind us. We started started winning games, and then, you know something that that really drew me there. Um, obviously the, the special teams coordinator at the time, his name's Tony Levine. Um, he retired. He's actually back in, uh, in Houston, Texas. Uh, he owns a, a, a Chick-fil-A now. Um, so that's 
kind of random, but he was a, he was a real good guy, um, trusted him throughout the process, and he really helped me get integrated there. And then the idea of uh, obviously Jeff Brom bringing in a you know a very explosive kind of a high powered high efficiency offense in there, um, I saw an opportunity for you know for me to kick off a lot, for me to you know kick a lot of field goals, um, and you know it gave me the opportunity to to really contribute and try to help rebuild this program per se. And uh, you know I'm I'm really proud of of how far it's come over the last two years, and and I see it just continuing to go up from here um he's he's getting all the all the right recruits uh the the energy around there is is nuts man it's uh it's it was a really cool experience and and the only thing that i would change about it is i wish i went there right out of high school you know but um yeah that's kind of that's kind of how that went down so kind of shifting gears here a little bit, I kind of want to get into the, 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 the weekend itself, the triad itself. I mean, we don't need to get into the nitty-gritty details, anything like that. But I'm just kind of curious. I mean, obviously, it's it's got to be kind of shell-shocking. I mean, you go from college to – I mean, you said you started kicking your senior year of high school. You know, you go through four years of college, and now all of a sudden you find yourself at a professional, you know, a, the Chicago Bears rookie minicamp kicking a – a crazy amount of footballs, man. I was, I was reading something that was like 300 kicks total throughout the weekend, which I just thought was absolutely insane. But can you just kind of run through what the experience like was over the weekend for you? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it, first off, it was, it was cool. It was, um, you know, being able to be up at an NFL facility is, you know, something that, uh, you know, I never even thought about whenever I was in high school, you know, and, and to kind of see where the journey's taken me up to this point. Is, is pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, so we, uh, you know, obviously we opened up, uh, I guess it was Friday and, uh, you know, we got out there and started kicking, um, and, you know, got a little taste of that, that Chicago wind I'd been hearing about. Um, you know, so that was, that was an adjustment a little bit there. And, uh, but yeah, we came out the first day. we just, yeah, kicked a ton of balls over the weekend. Um, but you know, overall it was a great time. I mean, I had a, had a great time getting, you know, all the, all the kickers, we ended up getting pretty tight by the end of it, you know, we're, we're competitive on the field, but you know, it's just a group of good guys off it, you know? Um, but uh, I, I thought the, the competition itself was, was fun. Um, I think it brings the best out of all of us. You know, we all, uh, all were fighting for that job. You know, we wanted to, wanted to be the one that emerged at the end of it and, um, you know, things worked out the way they did, but, uh, it was, you know, I firmly believe that by the end of it, I, I came out a better kicker than when I entered. So going into that, uh, whole weekend, the three day practices and all that, um, how much did you kind of know about the bears season a year before and the whole situation? Um, did they kind of tell you why you were kicking a 43 yarder during practice or anything yeah. like that? Yeah, you know, with us being kickers, we we keep up to date on on all that stuff. Anyways, you know, we know that there's only a few job uh, openings every year, and uh, so that was that was definitely one that we were all pretty well aware of. But um, yeah, whenever we opened up camp, the first meeting, um, they showed a video, and and it was all a lot of hype in the video. It was very exciting, and then at the end of it, though, it was kind of a a little bit of a of a twist, and and they threw that kick in at the end. Um, and I, I think it was just, you know, they were trying to really show us the importance of, you know, as we got all this hard work, but it comes down to everybody executing their job. Um, 
you know, and, and uh, yeah, they place a lot of importance on those, on that kick in particular. So yeah, come practice time, you know, at the end of practice, they uh, got us all together and, um, you know, tried to put a little bit of, a little bit of pressure on us uh, and, you know, see who could, uh, who could, who could knock that kick through. So. Well, and I'm, I'm kind of curious too, because, you know, obviously the bears are trying everything they can do right now to find a kicker. Uh, but I mean, how pressure filled was it? I mean, if we're being honest here, I mean, was it, was it a situation where it was uncomfortable for you guys to the point where there was some pressure or was this kind of like a, okay, you know, it is what it is. You know, it, it doesn't match the, the game pressure that you would feel in a tie game and you got the kick on the line like Cody Parkey did and he, and he misses it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to speak for any of the other guys. Um, I, I'll say for me, um, it was. You know, it, it it didn't it didn't bother me really at all. I mean, it was. Um, you know, to me, I was looking at it as you know, it's just another kick, and I know that's kind of the generic answer. But um, you know, given kind of throughout my career kicking up to this point, you know, back in high school, they did pressure kicks where they all circle up around you and untie your shoes and pour water in your face while you're trying to kick and, you know, some stuff that was off the chain. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, come uh, in college, um, you know, it was, you know, just various stuff like, you know, if he misses, the team's got to run and whatever. And, you know, the, the first two, at least before that final, I guess that little competition they did at the end, um, the last day, there was really not, you know, any, kind of anything on the line right there so I guess in terms of like external pressure there wasn't much um, but I know we all hold ourselves to high standards and and every kick is is just as important as the next because um, obviously you know if you don't hit your kicks early in the game then you know that that one at the end might not come so um, but overall I mean I think you know we, we put enough pressure on ourselves to make sure that we knew um, how important that kick was um, yeah, that's kind of that's my take on it so far. You know, I don't know how much time you got to like actually spend with Matt Nagy and talk to him at all, but it, could you kind of tell um, there might have been like a culture change in that locker room, or kind of get a feeling that you know they've kind of built something special? Um, I guess you know, general question is what what were your takeaways from head coach Matt Nagy as a whole? You know, I I liked him a lot. Um, he was very relatable to the players. He was a real cool guy, um, seemed very genuine. Um, but he also, you know, and you could tell, like, you know, he likes to have fun. He wants he wants everyone to have fun and enjoy playing the game. But, you know, first off, in terms of just changes, I mean, I think, I think the record speaks for itself, you know. Um, it clearly, you know, turned things around and, and had a great year last year. Um, but, you know, from what I saw personally, he, he put a lot of, uh, you know, importance on their, you know, just having integrity as a person about, you know, anytime, you know, you see anyone in the building, thank them for anything that they did or, you know, just uh, saying, he said, th- you know, saying thank you goes a long way around here. Um, doesn't really like having, you know, the diva type players per se, you know, he, he just wants hardworking guys that love playing the game. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the culture around there was was uh, it was pretty cool. I liked him a lot. I thought he could do. So how different? Because obviously every every kicker's kind of got their own guy that they go to coach. You know, I don't even know really what you'd call it. Kind of like what the Bears did when they brought in Jamie Cole. So how different was it going from 
what you had had before, and I'm drawing a blank on the name of I'm sure you can tell me here in a minute, going from what you had as a as a as a coach before, a private coach, to going into Jamie Cole's system, I guess you could say, was there was there a big change or is it just kind of a one size fits all as long as you know how to kick and you got the right form, everything's good, or how how different was all of that? It's um it's pretty different. You know, they all kind of have their own um take on on how they want to chart field goals and what kind of a process they want to take. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of the guys that were there um, had a lot of experience with Jamie before. Um, you know, I don't know how much of a role he had to play in, in bringing those guys in, but you know, they, they had all, I'd seen that they, they had a lot of experience with him prior. Um, and it was definitely different. Um, he, the way that he tends to chart field goals, it's, it's a lot more um, starting with, big balls per se it's you know you don't it's really all 45 yards and further and you just you kind of just keep backing up and backing up um and not a whole lot of like the short game um and i think it was it was difficult too you know with that many kickers out there you only have x amount of holders and you know sticks and x amount of balls and and you know you, you get into the time crunch and having to be ready for for practice you know and uh so it was all a little rushed at times, but um, yeah, you know, it's it's a little different, but you know, everyone's got got their own style of doing things. Yeah, it's been kind of known. A lot of the players spoke on this that um, you know, Nagy and the coaching staff brought in some former players. Uh, did you guys have like a dinner with former Chicago Bears players? I think it was like the night before. Yeah, it was. Uh, I guess that was Thursday night. Yeah, it was Thursday night, and it was just kind of yeah, kind of a a welcome dinner. They had a lot of, uh, a lot of guys that had played there over the years. Um, you know, you had Tillman there, you had Matt Forte and, you know, just a, a kind of a long, I think there were probably 10 guys that they brought in. Um, was, and all just kind of, kind of told us how, you know, what it means to be a Chicago bear. And, you know, uh, a lot of them giving advice on, you know, say, you know, if you want to make the roster, maybe you got to, uh, be the first one in line to try to get on the special teams units, you know, be a more diverse player. That was, that was a big message I kept seeing. Was there uh, anyone kind of in particular that talked to like the special teams guys? Uh, no, yeah, no, not in particular. Okay, cool. So all well, he said would have been really awkward if like Robbie Gold or somebody right, was there. I, I was like, going to bring Robbie Gold. To... Yeah, I thought I, I kind of thought that maybe it was what you're getting at there because I mean he is still sitting in Chicago saying I'm not going back to San Francisco. Huh? That's interesting. So man, there would there would have to be some kind of contractual rule against that, right? Oh, I'm sure there is. I I, I can guarantee because technically he's under contract with the 49ers right now, whether he yeah. likes that or not, and whether John Lynch likes that or not at this point. So, okay, so I got a two-part question for you. One is just kind of a, just to kind of give everybody an idea. You were the only one, right? You were the only kicker, at least to my knowledge and what the other people have tweeted out, you were the only kicker to make the first two or the last two kicks on on the, the on the the first two days. So you made what the forty three yeah. yarder and the forty two yarder. You were the only kicker that did that out of eight kickers, right? right. What were your overall numbers like? Because I, I think you I think you told me the other day, but just to kind of give people an idea how well you did and how much you kicked. What were your overall numbers for the three days that you were there? Uh, okay, I, I have to think on that. Um, I know I came out of the blocks pretty slow on the first day. Um, First, the first few set of kicks were were rough. I was trying to get acclimated, and uh, you know, but once I found my swing, um, you know, like I, I can tell you that uh, days two and three, I ended up finishing 
24 for 25, and all those kicks were in the range of 45 to 58 yards, roughly. Um, so it ended up being, you know, a, a really solid end to camp. And and then yeah, we did those uh, those pressure kicks at the end of practice, and um, you know, I felt real smooth in those. They were, uh, you know, I was just I was trying to, uh, especially in those reps, to just you know, kind of show that um, you know that I that I've got it and that. Um, you know, I've, I've got the guys back and, uh, you know, that, that there's no doubt, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I ended up having a real solid camp uh, well, sounds, perfect it, on Sunday and yeah. And then near perfect on Saturday. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it, dude. And it's, it, I mean, obviously, you know, none of the, none of the tryout guys made it. And then two of the roster guys ended up getting cut. And I mean, we've kind of all been tracking what's going on. So my final question to you, I don't know if Zach has anything else, but my final question, we're going back to the music a little bit, right? So every single player in football is always going to have their pump up music. The, you know, the, the, what you're listening to in the locker room, what you're listening to where you're warming up on the field. What's your go-to? Ooh. Um, so it, it, it's in, it comes in waves, right? Like, you know, you being, uh, with the, the music background that you got, I, I don't think you would ever say that there's one song that you always go to, Oh no um, doubt. but no I doubt. could say, I could say, oh, man, it's tough. I got a couple. Um, so hey, list them off, man, second, list them off. It's all good. I don't mind. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Right. This second, um, I've been, really into uh Vale of Maya a lot recently. Yeah, that's um, a really good choice. Particularly Mikasa. That's 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 my that's my jam right now. Yes. Um I would say most consistently, um I I go a song called Alive by Wage War. And that one it's got a nice flow of, of progressions. It's got a sweet little breakdown in there a little catchy chorus thrown in there too um i would say that's that's probably the one that i've most consistently gone to um but i mean yeah, as you likely know i could go on forever oh yeah exactly yeah so we yeah we won't bore people because i'm sure a lot of people are like <laughs> who the hell are these bands that these that, guys are talking about right, right now <laughs> that is me 100 percent right now um I guess, you know, my final question, I'll go away from football. Uh, I kind of want to go back to the Purdue thing here. Um, now, I, I'm pretty sure you have never done Breakfast Club being a football player. No, I haven't. Okay, I, I was going to say, I hope you haven't heard done, it, I hope you haven't done Breakfast Club being, because it's, if, for those who don't know, it's like people wake up at like, what, 4 or 5 a.m. and go to the bars before the games and stuff like, before the football games that, on Saturday. That, that's what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, so I was, I was hoping you didn't, but um, is there a better bar on Purdue's campus than uh, Harry's Chocolate Shop? You know, I um, since I've been here, I haven't been as well-versed in the bar scene as maybe I could have, um, but I would say, yeah, um, especially based off the buzz and just, you know, my personal experience that I would say that one's the best. I was hoping you were going to say that. That's When I go there, we go back and visit. It's always the must-stop and kind of our favorite one to go to. Um, yeah, yeah, man, no, thanks. That's, that's thanks again for joining us, man. I know we kind of you know, went a little long, but uh, you know, we appreciate oh, man, it. I'm all for it. No, I had a great time, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, good luck in the future, and you'll have to keep us updated on everything. Yeah, we will yeah. do. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks again, man.
And welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. That was our interview with uh, kicker Spencer Evans. He spent two years at Baylor, two years at Purdue. Was one of the eight kickers in on the Bears Battle Royale over the weekend for rookie minicamp. Unfortunately, he didn't get the call to join the roster, but um, it sounds like he's going to – I think he's going to uh, find a spot in the NFL or kicking somewhere um, eventually down the line. Um, Let's get into our next interview it's about five to six minutes. It's with Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. I had the opportunity to talk to him in Wrigleyville for um, Gone Rogue Trip Chips, a new brand he's promoting. Talked about rookie minicamp um, last season, how he's focused going into this season, a little bit about the Chips and his college career at North Carolina. We'll get right into that and then come back and wrap it up. How'd you get involved uh, with Gone Rogue? Yeah, I'm very uh, happy that they asked me to team up with them for uh, their new launch of uh, Gone Rogue High Protein Chips. So it's it's like it's an amazing product because it's healthy, but it also tastes great. So it's like it's way better than your uh, traditional potato chip because there's 17 grams of protein in here and it's a lot healthier. It's lean smoked chicken and then baked and they have all these great flavors. Uh, I like teriyaki so you gotta check them out and you can buy them at your local Joasco and it's it's just that perfect snack for me this off season adding the extra protein before or after workouts and uh, it tastes really good and it's healthy for you so it's been really cool to be a part of it. So this is something after workout after you get done with yeah. the workout healthy yeah, snack? any time of the day really. Okay. okay. So if we, like people, you, you could eat chips all the time, but yeah. now you could eat these chips and it, it, it's healthy for you. I eat chips, my wife gets on them and she's like, man, yeah. you got to start. You got to you know, check these out. Gotta, really yeah, good. she'll like these. Um, yeah, so, I mean, do you want to talk a little more about the product? I mean, moving forward, I mean, other stuff like this, or would you be interested in different endorsements, stuff like well, that? Well, a big thing for me is only being a part of things that I would use and mm-hmm. I truly believe in, and I believe in this product. Uh, I've been eating the chips myself. And I just want other people to have that healthy alternative to your traditional potato chip and have something that tastes good and is good for you. So I'm very excited to be a part of it, and I'm very happy they asked me to be a part of it. A Chicago-based company, so like I said, the Joe Osco's in the local Chicago area will have them, and I encourage people to get out and go try them. And um, it's good for professional athletes who are training, or if it's, it's just you're at, at everyday work trying to have a snack in, in between meals. So uh, it's the I think it's the it's the perfect snack. Ultimately. Perfect. And then uh, with rookie mini camps now, what was your mindset, man? Like you were number two pick, Bears yeah. straight up for you. I mean, you probably remember two years ago around this weekend. Yeah, it was. It seems like so long ago now going into year three, but it was a whirlwind after the draft, and I just remembered I was just so excited and so anxious to like finally live out the dream of being the NFL, and it's kind of surreal at first, and then uh, ultimately you just get back to playing football, and it's cool to get with your new teammates uh, around rookie meet camp and get to know them and learn a new offense and just work as hard as we possibly can and, uh, <clears throat> um, and and just try to turn around the franchise. And three years later, you know, we're, we're in a great position to keep go- keep doing so and keep this momentum going. What's your mindset right now after? I mean, season didn't end how you guys imagined it to. Yeah. What's your mindset going into these mini camps coming up? Well, it's one to get that. We're, we're a very motivated group. We have that chip on our shoulder from last year. The season didn't end the way we wanted to, but we know we have a lot of uh, – a lot of potential with the group we have. The expectations are higher, our standards are higher, mm-hmm. and our goals are higher. So we're just going to work as hard as we possibly can. The, the stage is set for this year. We got a lot of big opportunities, and uh, we had a huge offseason last year. So we, we know 
we're an experienced group, so we know exactly what we have to do to put ourselves in a good position to, to capitalize on those opportunities. As a quarterback, do you get excited when you see a guy like Riley Ridley get drafted? Definitely, definitely. You're like, um, you don't expect him to be here there, but when he was, it was a no-brainer for us to go get him. And for, for me, I always joke about we got enough talent on defense. Let's just keep adding yeah. guys to this offense. So you got a talented receiver like him. Then we drafted David as well, Montgomery, the talented running back. So just more pieces to this puzzle to hopefully make this offense even more explosive and uh, and high power and high flying. So we're happy to we're happy to see here. Last question I want to ask you about North Carolina, the program. What do you think of Mac Brown coming in? How that all kind of transitioned? Yeah, very excited about the Mac Brown hire. I'll, I'll always be a, a Larry Fedora mm -hmm. advocate. He was my coach, brought me in, and, and um, but we're excited about Mac being there now and taking over the program. Um, and I haven't got to meet him personally yet. I'm excited to sit down and get to know him a little bit, but. Uh, I'll always be a Tar Heel and always support that program. So I got to get back soon and and help help them do whatever. But Max been doing a great job just recruiting uh, the right kids to come in there, uh, bringing a lot of talent, getting the right coaching staff in there to help help turn turn this thing, get a winning program back in North Carolina. So I hope they're as excited uh, as a alumni are about it because we're definitely pumped. And welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. That was our interview with Mitchell Trubisky. A little short, but I hope it gave you guys some insight into where the quarterback's mind um, is going into these OTAs. And, yeah, Aaron, next up, man, we have OTAs in a couple of weeks. And I, I think we'll find a little more out than we did at Rookie Minicamp. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, you'll be there, right? I mean, you're, you're able to yep. – can't report on anything, but you guys can at least watch practice. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe we get one day of uh, media access for the three weeks, like one day each week. Oh, I was like, dude, one day out of ten oh, practices. No. Oh, that <laughs> sucked, dude. Yeah, I think we get one or two days each week. So. Well, yeah, that should be too bad because that's kind of the thing, man. It's like we got what well, we got the, the ten OTAs over the next few weeks, and then they have a three-day rookie, or sorry, not rookie, uh, mandatory mini camp that yeah. is June 11th through the 13th, and then that's dude, that's it for like six weeks until yeah. training starts. Yeah, they have um they do have the Bears 100 celebration the 7th through the 9th. Um yeah. I was I actually looked today, man. I'm kind of shocked tickets are still available for that thing. Yeah, I I mean it it's one of those things I think if I was closer, like if I lived somewhere in the area I'd absolutely be going to it, but it's it's one of those things for me cuz it, it's it's well I I mean I, I I would assume that most everybody's a baseball fan. So if you're a White Sox fan, it's like Sox Fest. And if you're a Cubs fan, what do they call it? CubsCon? Is that what they call it? Uh, yeah, CubsCon. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's it's essentially like that. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I, even as a kid, I wasn't really like – we went to Sox Fest, and I, my dad and I did, and I wasn't really like that overly enthralled. So, I mean, I, I guess it's like in the eye of the older. If you're – if you want to be close to the players, you kind of want to have that 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 really cool fan experience with you know you know not really football related. Then I guess it's really cool and you know. But for me, it's like I know I kind of get my fix in when I come to camp. Like you're you're next to all these dudes, you get to interview pretty much whoever the hell you want. I mean that's kind of where it's at for me. But I I guess I am kind of surprised too though because it's dude the Bears are good again, man. I I don't know. It's like it's almost like like am I wrong? But does it feel like people forget like how good the Bears were and the fact that they've maintained the roster? And I say they've probably gotten a little bit better. Like it, it just feels like national media and even some Bears fans have just forgotten how good they were last year and how close they were last year. Yeah, I think it's just because of how it ended. Like if if they would have lost, um, I don't know, lost by seven or like ten, 
I'm kind of trying to think back when they lost to like Philadelphia in 2001 and Carolina in 2005. I think people took it um, a lot better because, you know, going into that 2006 season, the Bears were obviously the favorites to win the NFC. Um, this year, I wouldn't say they're the favorites to win the NFC. I also, I think they're kind of getting a little disrespect in a way. Um, but as you mentioned, like people, I think they forgot that the Bears are actually good and were pretty much, you know, you could argue two field goals away, two separate field goals away from making that divisional round, one against Miami, which would have won them the game in overtime and got them that first round by. And the second, obviously, the Cody Parkey against um, Philadelphia. Now, I, I don't I don't like to be that one that says the Bears are going to the Super Bowl if Parkey makes that second kick because I think anything could happen. I, I just think football is such a weird game. But I would have liked the Bears' chances going into L.A., um, yeah, I just I'm kind of shocked there was you know going back to the original point that there was actually tickets still left, especially like, dude, there's gonna be a panel and this is probably the only time we're ever gonna see this. It's Mike Singletary, Dick Buckus, and Brian Urlacher on one panel talking for like an hour. Yeah. I mean that that's that gonna is, be crazy. That is really cool. I'll, I'll definitely give you that one. That is that is gonna be cool. Yeah, I I I know a decent amount of people who are going to it. I don't. I don't know how many tickets there are or whatever, because even like Sox Fest sells out. I mean, there's, I mean, and we're talking the White Sox here. I mean, Sox Fest sells out, so I don't understand why the Bears thing wouldn't, unless they're able to fit a lot more people. I don't know, because it's, it, it's just, it is a big place. It's a huge place. Um, I, they have the national like sports memorabilia and card show there, and I went one year. It's huge. Um, but still, I mean, I don't think they're taking up the entire space. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know you'll be at it, so I, yes. it'll be cool because what you got all the OTAs. As soon as the OTAs wrap up, then you go to that, and then after that, then you got the final uh, final mini camp, and then you know six weeks. I mean, we're definitely going to try to do some things. I'm sure we'll get some guests on to kind of fill some time because I mean, it's let's just be blunt about this. I mean, there's going to be a lot of time when we're really either not talking about anything or beating something into the ground. And I don't yeah. really know much more we can beat this kicker thing into the ground or anything else that we keep talking about. You oh, know? <laughs> just writing about kickers this past weekend. I'm just, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm overhearing about it. I'm overthinking about it. I feel, I will say though, I feel a little bit better with the Nero. I, I, I think that. Yeah. Yep. You know, as soon as we got done recording, the one thing that he did say, uh, the the one thing that Spencer did say that I will repeat because it, it had nothing to do with anything was just that, you know, he said he's like, Eddie's a dude like Eddie's Eddie's the guy like he you, you guys. Will, he, he, I think his exact words are something like you guys will like Eddie or Eddie will have a job, something like that. So, I mean, there's really nobody who said anything negative about the guy. And I think Spencer kicked with him a little bit uh, with a, with an old kicking coach, too. So. I, I mean, I guess we'll see. We'll see how it all happens. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's again. I, I just. I want to stop talking about this because you got a 12 and 4 team who should be the same, if not better. And you know, this this could be a, this could be a super like. Think about this. Like, if the Bears won the Super Bowl this year, all we're going to look back on was the fact that they had kind of a boring offseason, except for the fact that we beat the death out of the kicking situation from what about January on when they signed Redford Jones to when they cut Cody Parkey to when they signed all these other guys, like every single time we're either talking about Robbie gold or talking about the kicking situation. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, it's been that weird. I, I, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a, it's just a thing that won't go away with, with, you know, from this franchise and, and, it's not going to go away until they find a guy that can put up numbers like Golder in a way be consistent. I mean, he doesn't have to go 
30 for 31 on the year or whatever. I mean, he just has to be consistent. He can miss two or three kicks. Just just be consistent. I'm just – yeah, I'm ready for uh, OTAs and training camps so we can discuss some uh, very important position battles going on. Absolutely, man. So I think I think we're I think we pretty much got it all covered. I mean, it's like yep. next week won't really have anything, but I'm sure we'll have some stuff to talk about, and then we'll we'll have a little bit of action. But it's due season's getting closer. That's all I know. I mean, like I said, we're what is today the the eighth. So I mean, we're about two and a half months away from training camp right now, and we know how fast this off season's gone so far. So I mean, it's not hard to imagine the fact that very, very soon we will be talking about training camp in the preseason and then the regular season. Football's getting close. Yeah, it's gonna be. I mean, once we get into those those days in the summer, it's gonna fly by. We'll be uh, we'll be talking about uh, preseason football before we know it. But um, yeah, Aaron, thanks again for joining me, man. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL. And then uh, you can read Aaron's work on the Bear Report. You can follow me at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. You can read me on the Bear Report. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll see how next week's show goes with uh, pretty much not a lot to talk about, honestly. Yeah, that's that's completely fair. We may have to go hunting for some guests or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll try to, we'll try to keep you guys entertained along with us being entertained, you know? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have to figure something out. All right, everyone, uh, please make sure to rate, review, and uh, subscribe to the podcast on all major podcasting platforms, and we'll see you next week. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.